What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Hey guys, welcome back to the Unified right here on the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. If you're interested in joining us ever on a Sunday morning, you can join us currently at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. The website, once again, you heard it in the intro, is nextlevelfreedomchurch.com or nextlevelfreedomchurch.org. They take you to the same place, but sometimes the .com doesn't like to work. So if you got to use the .org, it always works. So welcome back to Unify. i got a special guest in the studio with me right now, Pastor Zach Strong from right here in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Pastor Zach, you want to say hi to the people? Hey, Pastor Trenton. Bless you, man. What a privilege to come on, be on with you today to all of our uh, listeners. We're excited to have the opportunity to meet you and connect with you. And uh, I'm going to encourage you hang with us for the next few moments. I believe you're going to be encouraged. I believe you're going to be blessed. I believe the Lord might be speaking to somebody today. I think that's what you're here for, and that's what we want to see happen. Yes, so for those of you that don't know, maybe this is your first time tuning with us, the point of Unified is to let you know God uses real people to make a real difference in the fallen world. He's not just using the people you thought had the best off in life. He's using the people on the streets. He's using whoever, and God will make it work. So if it's God's will, it's going to happen. So uh, so we just want you to know that even like pastors or whoever we even have on the air, a lot of times it is pastors and people, they didn't always start out as pastors. They had a story behind that that led them to salvation, and they had their experience with God. And Zach, I know here has, uh, Pastor Zach here has had so moving involved with that. So, uh, Pastor Zach, so what usually happens for those of you out there listening is I will go ahead and turn it over to Pastor Zach, wherever he wants to start. And then as you say stuff that triggers something, I'll, I'll, I'll just intervene and we'll just go talk about that for a minute. So, that's uh, awesome, that's man. That's works. awesome. So, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Zach. Sure. You know, one of the things that you just said, you know, you talked about our stories. You know, a lot of time we think the great testimonies are the guys that, you know, you know, I was this drug addict or I was this axe murderer and I did all of these mm. crazy things that seem to be fascinating. Well, my story isn't like that. My, my world isn't like that. Uh, I'm a church kid. That's all I've ever known all of my life. Now, let me preface that by saying it doesn't mean that I was perfect or I haven't sinned or haven't done anything like that. I just didn't live the life of the world. Uh, I started out uh, growing up in independent Pentecostal church in Paducah, Kentucky. I was, I'm going to say it like this. I was born in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, this is back in the days, most of the life, a lot of the culture right now don't understand. We had church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Tuesday night. Thursday night, then uh, prayer night. And, and, you know, I mean, church was our life. And, uh, my, me and my wife, uh, you, you know, have been married 45 years. We grew up in the same church together. And matter of fact, our parents go back to history so far that my parents who have gone to be with the Lord remembered when her mom and dad got engaged. So we got a history of this stuff together in mm. church. And from the mo- moment time that I was a child, uh, seriously, uh, I just grew up church and serving, knowing, uh, you, you know, the Lord. I was called uh, to the ministry when I was eight years old. Mm. I was a little boy when I gave my heart to the Lord. I never will forget the Sunday night yeah. uh, that we had a missionary in, and uh, uh, he was from Guatemala. Matter of fact, I was with his daughter and her husband a few weeks ago, and I told her, I said, I really gave my life to Jesus when your dad came to my home church and on a Sunday night was preaching, and I felt that tug in my heart for as a little boy to go to the altar and say, Jesus, be the Lord of me. You know, you're bringing me into a thought. So let me go for just a second. So I have, uh, for about four years, for those of you who don't know, I lived in Jackson, Tennessee, and we went to a church called Love and Truth Church. And the pastor there, Pastor Eddie Couples, he was a Pentecostal in his roots, but his dad was a missionary. 
And the, he, he told this story, and this is what people I don't think understand. It's the little things. You may never see the result, but later right. down the road, the, their kids are going to know. But what happened with him, he told one story, and I won't go too far on it, but his dad died when he was 14. Uh-huh. He, I think the car they ran a car off a cliff, something like that, yeah. and it was in Africa. That's where he was at. That's where he was born because they were on a mission field. After that car accident, there was something to do. I don't remember the whole story, but something to do with the response, the reaction, and the people that they didn't even know his dad had touched. Wow. And one of the people that were there on the day of the car accident, there was something about, I don't know if it was his family or the other missions after dad had died, that made a statement to them. If that's that's a God that you serve, that you can still love him and worship him even when your family member has died and you can still look, then that's the God I want to serve. And it wasn't until years later that he found out the testimony of that person in Africa that, yes, it was your dad and, you know, that experience. And I don't remember the whole story, so I don't want to tell too much of it. But just those little stories like that, that, you know, we never know even made a difference. We just did what God told us to do, whether it was planting a seed, making a statement, and then later on down the road you find out, hey, you really made a difference. And you're like, oh, wow, okay, awesome. So so God's always moving behind the scenes. Well, you know what's so crazy about that? Because this pastor's or this missionary's daughter now 70 years old. Mm. She didn't know that. We were in a meeting together just a few weeks ago, her and her husband, me and my wife. And, of course, I was preaching a camp meeting in, uh, back in Kentucky, mm. and they were there. And, and I had a word for them, and I was sharing that. I said, you don't know this, but let me tell you where I first gave my heart to the Lord. Mm. But we grew up in the church after that. You know, from a little boy, I remember in our Sunday school class that our Sunday school and our church back then was one of these long buildings. You, you know, they weren't made like they are today, these big fan-shaped things. But it was a long building. And mm-hmm. out in front of the church, there was these flower, uh, the, these places where they planted flowers. And our Sunday school class would take a project of in the spring going out. And, and I remember us as a Sunday school class, class planting flowers in there. Wow. And, and so... I, out of that, it started as serving the Lord. We'd served the Lord through the church. Mm-hmm. And as a little boy, I remember uh, we didn't live that far away from the church, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten blocks, something like that. But I'd walk down to the church, and sometimes I would help the janitor change light bulbs, or we would sweep. And as we would grow, you know, we just served in the church. Me and my wife both, we got involved in the choir of the church and mm-hmm. and, and doing things like that. I, I became an usher in the church. I remember the first time pastor asked me to pray over the offering. Oh, my goodness. It would be like <laughs> preaching for the very first time, you know. And all I'm doing is standing there praying over the offering. Yeah. And uh, But we grew up in the church. And of course, as me and my wife got older, the dynamics began to change. But I felt the call of God to preach the gospel when I was eight years old. Now, you mentioned something earlier, and I just want to jump back to this real yeah. quick, because you was talking about your parents remembered when her parents yeah. got engaged. So you all were in the same church. Yes, Is that sir. how you met your wife? Or? Yeah, yeah. we okay. grew up in the same church, the same okay. youth group. You know, me and my wife's brother were best friends, and actually my wife's about a year and a half older than I am. And, 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 and you know, the dynamics of that, you know how kids are. You got girlfriends and such as this. Mm-hmm. And I never really dated, but at the age of 16, uh, me and my wife started making a connection. Okay. And when I say made that connection, our church always held being where we were, uh, you know, because being Pentecostal, the holiness movement, you know, most of our kids weren't involved in the school proms and the school things like that. We didn't believe in dancing and all that, you know, like a lot of stuff that went on. And we never felt deprived of that because our church offered an alternative. They'd have a yearly banquet mm-hmm. uh, where they would allow the kids to come. They'd rent a place and have a nice dinner and everybody would dress up real nice and go and, you know, just have a good time together. Yeah. And that's kind of where how me and my wife made our you know, kind of connection to go to the church banquet and such as that. And from there, you know, we took this, uh, you know, begin to really like and love each other. And our passion that kept us together was really the call of God. Mm-hmm. We spent so many times together, Trent, believe it or not, where we would date. Uh, our dating time was really talking about the Lord, talking about mm-hmm. the dream that we had in That's God. Awesome. Yeah. 
Because you don't we see married, that a lot now. So, mar- huh? I said, you don't see that as much no, now. No, not at all. Appear that way, but. but that's where our hearts were driven. Mm-hmm. We talked about missions. We talked about orphanages. We talked about a lot of things that we had in our heart to do. Of course, we married. I was 18. My wife was 19 when we married, right out of school. And, and again, I never will forget this, dude. This is hard to imagine. We got married on a Friday night, and our church started revival on Sunday. And mm. churches back then, when you had revival, it was two weeks. Yeah. You know, scheduled two weeks. And you know where we were? We were in church every night. We started in on Sunday night. We'd done our little honeymoon thing. And, and, and then we came back, and we went right into church. That's how committed and dedicated we were. Yeah. And so as we served the Lord, you know, we found ourselves being youth pastors. I was just about everything except a board member or a pastor at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then at 21, I really yielded to the call uh, to pastor, to, 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 to really to the ministry. My brother had come to town and uh, had started a little church, and, uh, and I felt the call to go help him. I felt like I needed to, and I kind of stepped away from my home church and mm-hmm. went to help my brother, uh, you know, in his church to support him. And it was a small group of people, and I never will forget, Trenton, uh, I worked at the power company. I'd been there for ever since I got out of high school, loved that job. It was a good job. And I really... Even though I was called at eight, I remember telling my pastor growing up, I felt that call to preach, mm-hmm. you, you know, and never seemed to get developed. I mean, like I, I was youth guy and all this stuff, but not to really stand up and, I mean, really go at it in front mm-hmm. of the whole church or yeah, anything. I yeah. never had that opportunity in my home church. But my brother, when he came, I stepped to help him. Um, you know, he gave me that opportunity, and I didn't do it that often. And one night, uh, because the church was so small, my brother had to work. And uh, I remember it was a Wednesday night. I pulled up to the church, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Your brother's getting ready to leave. That's all he said to me. I heard that just as clear as I'm sitting here talking to you. So I walked in to the church, to the office, sat down with my brother. And he's studying. He's, you know, kind of putting his last-minute notes together for that night. And I looked at him. I said, John, you're getting ready to leave, aren't you? And he said, yeah, I was getting ready to tell you. And he said, this is what we're going to do. He said, I'm going to put you up in front of the people more. And over time, he said, I'm going to turn it over to you. Mm. Well, this is, that's Wednesday night, Sunday morning. We're in service, and uh, brother had me sit on the platform with him. You know, it's the day when pastors, preachers sit on the platform and all yeah. that. And, mm-hmm. and my brother's preaching away. And the next thing I know, he announces, I'm resigning the church as of today. And he wow. turns to me and he said, these are going to be, talking to me and my wife, this is going to be your new pastors. Whoa. And so that's where was how, he headed? Does he have another well, call? He, well, you know, he evangelized. That's what he oh, would do. Okay. He, he evangelized from the time he was 16 years old. Gotcha. He was, uh, I, you know, probably up in his close to 40s at that time, maybe maybe mm-hmm. a little younger. And, but he'd do that. He'd come off the road for a while, start a little church, and sometime it would last, sometime it wouldn't, be very honest. Uh, but that's how I got my start. How long had he – you said he planted it, right? So how long yeah. had that church been – I probably maybe a year, maybe a year or something like that. So you got called over, God put you right in place. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a dream that that was going. My wife looked at me like, and everybody else looked at us like, because we had no clue. You know, that wasn't what he told me in the office, but that's how it played out. Mm. And uh, you you know, it's interesting because it's small group of people. You 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 know, and God knows what we have need of. And I'll be honest. Uh, that first six months was rough, man. I'm, mm. I'm telling you, you know, because you have to understand something. My pastor was, I'm going to call it, you, you guys know anything about Pentecostals. They're preaching machines. Mm-hmm. Okay. My pastor was a preaching machine. My brother was a preaching. Oh, my goodness. If you didn't see him and know he was a white man, you would think he was a black man. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's preached just about every night somewhere around the country, you know, and yeah. preaching machine. And, and they're taking this guy, this young dude that, okay, 
you may know, you know a little bit. But, I, I, you, you know, I, I knew the word growing up in church, but you know, being able to stand before people and deliver that—that's another—that's another chore. Mm-hmm. And it may have not have been as bad for the people as it was for me, but I thought it was horrible. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and I remember we made it through. It was tough. It was rough. And besides that, not only was the, my brother a great preacher, but they were the music. They were everything, mm-hmm. and they were old camp meeting style preaching and singing. Mm-hmm. And my brother and sister-in-law could play the Hammond, play the the piano, sing. I mean, they didn't need a sound system, man. It belted out everywhere. I mean, and they were good, you, mm-hmm. you, you know. And all of that left at the same time. And yeah. so me and Diane, my wife, become everything. Did you guys know how to do music? Or? Well, you know, I sang with them. Uh-huh. And uh, my wife, mom, was our church pianist and choir director back at the home church. So she taught my wife enough chords that we could get by. Mm-hmm. And, of course, back then we sang a lot of the songs from the hymnals and mm-hmm. such as that, the great songs of yesterday, which I still love. I, mm-hmm. I love. We don't do them like that anymore. But I love those old songs. Yeah. I do nursing home ministry now, so I get to go in and do those songs yeah. you know. Well, there's something. See, even the next level, we have contemporary. That's yeah, our, that's yeah. our type of music. Right. It's like more modern. Now, I like the '90s worship, and then I like do some of the stuff from today too. But I noticed that when you're raised with those hymnals, it never leaves you. Never leaves. You know, you. I can be at Joy Church on a Sunday morning singing the hymns with them, and I'm I'm perfectly yeah, content yeah. with that because I know you know the songs, and there is some powerful words in just those old hymns. It's just a matter of time and style oh, yeah. changing. That's well, it's it like is, you're, so. you know the name of your church next level. We just keep growing. We go from mm-hmm. generation to generation, you know, strength to strength and such as that. doesn't make this bad, that wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think we miss out a lot of, of there, but that's a story for another day, <laughs> you, you know. But as we did, I remember coming up to the end, and we're coming up toward the end of the year, uh, of that six months and I thought God I can't do this no more and I remember saying God what do we do because it was bad there were a few days I just wish somebody just take me out of my misery just Mm -hmm. get me you know it was that bad in my mind but I remember saying God what do we do about this next year I said Lord do we go on a stop and God asked me he gave me a question he said I want you to ask the people what they want to do and I remember it's the last Sunday of, of this per- particular year, getting mm-hmm. ready to break into a new year. And I said, guys, I, as I was preaching, I said, I know you guys know this has been a tough t- transition. It's not been easy. And uh, I said, I feel like the Lord just spoke to me uh, about going forward. And it's up to us. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Do you want to stop or do you want to go on? Because it, it would have been just as easy to quit right then, mm-hmm. close it down, yeah. you know, as it would have been going on. But I, I remember a little one of our newer ladies, bless her heart, she had come out of a more traditional denominational church, and she'd come into this Pentecostal church when my brother was there and got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I remember saying, what do you want to do? I'm opening the floor up. What do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. And this little lady was the first one. She said, well, Pastor, I think we ought to go on. Mm. She said, I think if our music, we had a little bit more music, she said, I think that would help us and blah, blah. And then different ones begin to pop up and say, we won't feel like we need to go on. Yeah. And, and you know, they made the decision to go on. And I said, all right, you're willing to walk with me. I'm going going on. And Trent, we went on. And it wasn't long after that, maybe within a couple months, uh, there was another church in the area that had a small church that had started. And and they had had some difficulties and were getting ready to shut down. And that group of people shifted from there to become a part of us. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, when they walked in, I, I was, I'm going to say it like this. I was the next... I was the best thing next to butter and bread, mm. you know, to them. It was yeah. like they were hungry. They didn't know. And everything that we were preaching was just like they were absorbing. And from that moment, our church began to change. Yeah. yeah. And we began to grow. We made that decision. So we went from there. We, we were in a rented building for a while. We outgrew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed another place. And we were looking all over town, you, you know, for another place. Matter of fact, the place that we rented was actually a church building. It had been a, a former Presbyterian church on mm-hmm. five acres, sitting over close to the hospital there in Paducah. That's where I come from, if they didn't know that, Paducah, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Yes, yeah, we didn't and, say uh, that, did we? <laughs> you know, we, we got word that the hospital was buying all the property up because they were, were expanding. And at some point, we were probably going to have to leave that facility. But I was looking, could 
could not find a place anywhere. And I remember as as we were growing on, God began to bring different ministries into our path. It brought a prophetic ministry to us that, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, and we were beginning to see people, very gifted people come in that were fluent in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, this prophet came in. Her first time in, she was a senior lady. She was from Louisville, Kentucky. And the first words out of her mouth, I'm, I'm telling you, this blew, rocked my world. The first words out of her mouth, Trenton, was this. I'm get, God's getting ready to remove 25% of this people. I think it's, stop. That's not what I brought you here for, mm. to prophesy like that, you, you know. Yeah. But, man, I, I mean, she began, after that, she began to speak the word of the Lord and preach that night. It was dynamic. Had words for, you know, ministering personally to people, words that were just bam, bam, bam. I mean, we knew them. We were right there. But afterwards, we were sitting in her office, in my office, and you know, at the end of the meeting, she said, "Pastor, let me tell you." She said, "I didn't reveal everything to the Lord." She said, "God's already shown me what He's going to do with this ministry," and she said, "The problem is you don't have enough room to do everything that God wants you to do." Mm. And I thought, "You just said He's getting ready to remove twenty five percent." You know, so you got room. To yeah, start I got room to grow. But she began to unfold my next building. Mm. And begin to unfold it. She said, I see something shiny. She said, I don't know. She said, it's like aluminum. And she said, it's a business that's getting ready to go out suddenly. And she said, it's going to drop in price and drop in price until God puts the building in your hand. And wow. I think, okay, back in this day's day, you got to understand, this is back in the mid-'80s. So I'm starting looking at aluminum, aluminum-sided building, because aluminum siding was a big product they were put on houses and such back then. Yeah. I'm looking all over town for aluminum-sided building. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'd been looking for a long while. And so one day, coming down the main thoroughfare there in uh, Paducah, uh, and I didn't live real, it grew up, I grew up in the neighborhood that uh, Paducah Tillman High School was across the road uh, where I went to uh, high school and graduated from. There was a grocery store there, mm-hmm. and it used to be, it was called Trevathan's Market at that time, and everybody knew it, and right behind it was this housing project that was probably on a set like this one at that time one of the most notorious Mm -hmm. uh, roughest housing projects in the whole city right behind it and we noticed that this building that Trevathan's market had went out of business Mm -hmm. and a heat and air conditioning place bought it okay Mm -hmm. and and so one day we're going down through me and my wife was driving I'm looking all over and I see a for sale sign in front of this building and uh, I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. You know, it's a heat and air place now. I even knew the people that had the heat and air business, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, But I'm thinking, that definitely isn't it because it's just an old block grocery building, you, you know, uh, what it was. I mean, it had been there forever. And looking one day, me and my wife was driving by. She said, hey, do you consider that building there? I said, we don't want that building. Mm. I said, First of all, look at where it's at. I said, we wouldn't ever be able to keep a thing there. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd be robbed blind. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I just never looked at it because yeah. it's just a location. Behind, but what was behind us? Again, we drive by my wife and I said, I think we need to go look at that building. <laughs> so I said, all right. I called the realtor up that had it. I said, can we go in and look at the building? When we walked in, they they took us into they took us into the office area. Oh, let me back up something before I say. I don't think I said this about what the prophet said. She said, "Not only do I see something shining like aluminum," she said, "the business is going to go out suddenly." She said, "the offices are already set up. All you're mm. going to have to do is do the auditorium." Mm. And so when we walked into it, they took us into the office side of this place. And they were beautiful offices. I yeah. mean, there were like four or five nice, big, nice four-year lobby, and you walk in. And then it stepped from the offices into a warehouse. Mm-hmm. And back in there is where they made the sheet, was the sheet metal shop, where they made all the duct work for the projects they had going around town. Uh, and so we walked in there. I, I, I looked at it, and I didn't even think about it to the next morning, I still thought, I'm not impressed. Mm-hmm. I'm not impressed until the next morning I'm showering, getting ready for the day, and the Lord brings the word of the prophet back to me. 
And Trenton, I knew right then, that is my building. That's where we're supposed to be. Wow. And we even tried to go around. the. We bypassed. And what happened was the heat and air place, sadly to say, the owners of it were going through divorce. And so the settlement required that business to be divided. And so that's why they closed it down suddenly. Because, I mean, it was a prominent, thriving business. Yeah. And it just, like, shut down overnight. Yeah. And uh, so the Lord brought that to my attention. Then I said, we're going to go directly to the owner of the building. Because they were all leasing that. They were leasing that property. Mm-hmm. And it was owned by you a knew, right? You said you knew the owners. I I, I knew the, the the people of the uh, grocery store. the grocery store okay. and the heat and heat and heat and air air shop, but I didn't know the owner, mm-hmm. and he was one of the major uh, business. He was in a, a plumbing business. Major guy that put, I mean, he put plumbing in cities. I mean, you know, he just wasn't residential, it was all commercial. Mm. So I'm going to go see this guy and I'm going to make him a ridiculous offer. Yeah. And I remember the day I showed up, Trenton. When I walked in the door in his office, it was across town. I walked in his office. I don't know who he was talking to. I heard him all the way from the back. Mm-hmm. To the front of his office, he was screaming, he was cussing, man, he was mad. I'm You're thinking, like, oh, I oh. didn't show up on a good day. <laughs> You're thinking, I better, maybe I'll come back. <laughs> yeah, and I remember them, they had a price tag on this building at that time. Remember, we're back mid-80s, a 10,000 square foot building. They had a price tag on it of 250 I think I want to say it was two hundred and fifty, two hundred seventy thousand dollars. It's mm-hmm. been a few years. Yeah, and I felt I was going to go in and offer him a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I didn't have the money, but I was going to offer it to him. We had put a little money back. I think we had like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in a building fund account. But I was going to, I was going to offer it. You know, say we'll give you a hundred thousand mm. dollars. And I remember going in and I thought, man, God, I'd never dealt with anybody like this. Mm. And I said. You know, I thought, this isn't a good day, but I introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm interested in your building over there. I'd like to make you an offer. And I threw the offer out. I think it was 100000 maybe 125 something It was ridiculous from where he was, mm-hmm. you know, doing. He said, why would I want to do that? <laughs> and you thought, uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, he just looked at me. You know, he said, I can't do that. And this is what I'll take for it, you know, mm-hmm. 200 and whatever it was. So I left, went back, talked to my guys. We prayed about it some more. I knew that's my building. Mm-hmm. So I went back, caught him again. Man, same thing happened again. Man, this guy's cursing at the top of his voice. He's loud. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, man, every time I come, I catch you at a bad time. Mm-hmm. You know, I walked in and I said, sir, I said, I really believe I'm supposed to be at that building. And I'd like to, uh, I want to purchase it. And we upped our price a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, this is what we're willing to give. I think I, I think I came to the term. I said, we'll give you 150000 for it. And uh, he said, I don't. He said, why would I want to do that? He said, I've been offered 250000 cash and didn't take it. Mm. Why would I want to give it to you? You, mm. you know, and besides that, when I told him what it was going to do with it, be a church, he said, listen, I, 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 I rent it to a property to or sold it to a church. Another piece of property, he said, I wound up having to take it back because they couldn't pay their bills. And, you know, he said, I I don't think I want to do that. And I said, sir, you're not going to have to do that. Mm. And then I, I, you know, he said, I don't know. And he said, I don't know why I'm doing this. But he took my offer. He went from here to here. Mm. But now I go to the bank, try to get the money for it. And the bank won't lend me money. Mm hmm. And I go back to him. I go back to him. I said, sir, I'm having difficulty getting the bank to take, you know, because we're a new congregation. We're just not large enough, you know. Mm-hmm. They say our income to outgo and all that, you know. Yeah. And and uh, I said, listen, I'm, I'm struggling with bank. He said, well, i tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll finance it for you. And I'll give, I'll, I'll finance it at 1% under what the bank would do. Mm-hmm. And he said, the only thing that I'm going to ask you to do, he said, don't mess with those offices. And uh, because he said, I don't want to have to, you know, because he really thought he's going to take this building back, mm-hmm. that we wouldn't be able to do it. 
And he said, I'll take what money you got down. He said, this is what I want down. He said, how much you got to put down? I said, well, we got 30, I think it's $25,000, $30,000. But then he said, I'll take that. He said, I'll finance the rest of it for you, and you can pay me blah, 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 you know. And so we took it. And, and remember, we still got to go in and fix up. It's a heat and air place. It's old grocery. And everywhere the, where we were going to have auditorium had to be totally remodeled. Yeah. And they didn't have any heat and air in there, believe it or not. Wow. So we had to go in and do all that. So now every bit of money, uh, Trenton, that I've got, every bit of money has been absorbed. I I know I haven't even got down the road yet, but I don't know. This this is it. It's going good. Go for it. It's kind of showing people, I think, that it's God. When God moves, there's no denying it was God that made this happen. Because you're walking, and I'm I'm recalling some words, and you may be getting to this. So you said the prophet is saying about how the price was going to come Yeah, it came down. So so I'm going to let him go ahead and finish. But yes, this is how God works. And for those of you out there that are thinking maybe you're in an impossible situation right now, if if you'll let God move, and we'll stop trying to do it our way, and let God let God do it. If we will actually do that, and some people are probably thinking, oh, that's cliche. I've heard that for years. But it's that's just the truth. We don't know how to explain it to you. Because when God starts moving, the atmosphere changes. Everything changes about a place. And then he opens doors you would have never thought were possible, which is what I'm basically hearing from uh, Pastor Zach here. Go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. Well, well, you know, we moved forward. I gave them all the money we had. We had no money now to go in. Banks aren't loaning us any money. And I've got this building, and they tell me, uh, you, you know, that our property where we've been renting is sold, and the hospital is going to want to take it here pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So I've got to do something. Yeah. So I remember going in, Trenton, we had to go in, and I, I remember I started tearing out some of the old stuff myself that had to, I knew was going to have to come out, uh, uh, you know, out of that building. I remember just that, that very week, I set up, I woke up in bed, and I said, what did I just do? Hmm. I've got a building that I don't know how we're going to pay for. I just tore some of it up that I don't know how we're going to re- how we're going to remodel this thing or even put it back. I mean, it was just like, oh no, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, God, you've opened this door. You told us this where I've got to trust you. So I had remember we're we're a small congregation. So I get this family that starts coming to the church, driving all the way to Paducah from East Prairie, Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's about probably That's a, a good, drive, good yeah. drive. They start coming, and to come to find out, he's a contractor. Mm. Now, we had gotten enough money to get an architect to design what needed to be done to get where we could move in it, you, you yeah. know, and design what we wanted. I think right. it was about $6,000. We got that done. Mm-hmm. And so we had it, but I don't know, God, what are we going to do? I don't have no money to do it, mm-hmm. you, you know, anything. So this contractor comes, and his name was James, and I said, James, Give me a bid on what you could do this work for. And so he looked at it, came back a few days and said, Pastor, he said, uh, this is it. I thought, man, that is a lot of money when you don't have money. It could have been fifty, sixty thousand, but when you don't have money, mm-hmm. it don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I mean it and I can't get a banker to loan it to me. I think, well, how are we gonna do it? Mm-hmm. I said, James, I said, we can't do that. I said, what if you've done the structural work? Because we had to put this, because of being an old building, we had to, you know, and they had these poles that, you know, were centered. We had to move a pole. We had to stretch this I-beam out. And, I mean, there's a lot of structural work had to be done for us to get it set so that we could do a, a you know, have a stage and all that. I said, what if you've done this amount of work and then we let the men of the church come and finish it out? He said, all right. He said, I think we could work that way. I said, you know, I don't have any money. He said, I'm willing to start Monday. I said, James, I don't have any money. He said, I tell you what, Pastor, if you can if you can believe with me, give me a check weekly. Pay for my guys. He brought a team of guys in. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll start with you. Trenton, honest truth. I don't know how we did it, but it mm-hmm. was done supernaturally. Yeah. He came in. We started ordering what we need. First thing we had to have was this I-beam. And we had to cut the concrete out. We had to do this and that. And every week, honest truth, every week we gave him a check for what he would need for that week. God supernaturally began to provide. That was like in March that we started this in March and we're working. 
Every week we get it going. Now we're getting up into the fall time of year, kind of like where we are. A matter of fact, it was about this time, maybe a little bit earlier, late October, right in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember the weather's getting ready to change. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's it's getting, and we have to we have to put four heating. We had to put four heat units and air conditioning units on top of this building. Mm-hmm. They're going to cost us. I remember this because I remember what if, what am I going to do? Twenty five thousand dollars for these units, mm-hmm. and we've got to sit for all of them. For all of it, okay. We have to have that now in order to move forward to get it on our building. Mm-hmm. And James said we got to have it, Pastor. And I'm thinking, but I haven't got the money. Mm-hmm. We ordered them, but we can't, you know, they're sitting there ready for us, but we don't have the money. And I, I remember getting up on a Sunday morning and I said, God, what do we do? Lord, you know, we got to have this money to, for this. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, I want you to stand before the congregation and ask if somebody would loan you the money mm. for 30 days, $25,000 for 30 days. Do we get it? I don't know how we're going to pay it back in 30, but we <laughs> And I remember I went to the board and I said, God, I've been praying. I said, I felt like the Lord said this. And he said, well, Pastor, if God said do it, do it. So I remember doing it. Well, I had a man come to the church of all things. Listen to this, Trenton. He owned a big liquor store. Mm-hmm. That was his business. He yeah. come to our church. And I remember saying that. And he came to me and said, Pastor, he said, I got some tax money set back. I'm not going to need it for a couple of months. He said, if you... We do it for 30 days. He said, well, I'll loan you the money. And he loaned me the money. We could get those units on. Trent, this is the honest truth. The day they put those units on the building and got them working, the temperature started dropping. I mean, it went from shirt sleeve to you needed a winter coat on. It was one of those years. I mean, cold. And God supernaturally, somehow, I think it took us a little longer than 25 or, you know, a month or 30 days, but we managed to pay him back supernaturally. I don't know how it happened. I just know it happened. We finished. We The men of the church got in and finished. We were able to do everything on the inside, mm-hmm. but we just couldn't complete the outside. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you, it was an ugly old building because <laughs> we had taken, if you could picture, if you remember how, how major groceries are, uh, they don't do it much anymore, but uh, a lot of the older buildings had these plate glass windows, kind of like, you know, this is an older building mm-hmm. where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been here a while. So it's mm-hmm. got these big old glass. So we took those out, and all it was was blocks. So all you could see on the outside was this square block building that we had put some paint over it. And put our sign on the front of it, had a door on this corner, offices on this side, and that's how you come into our back. There was no appeal to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, it was an ugly old building. Wow. But when we, on the inside, we had had a man in our church was an interior decorator. And he helped us with all of our colors and everything. And the inside was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And people would come to the church and say, because it didn't match on the outside what was on the inside. <laughs> yeah. And they would come to the church, and first words they would come, they wouldn't just say it's beautiful, but they would say, man, this is the most peaceful place. Mm. There's peace in this room. And for three years, Trenton, we couldn't touch the outside because it took every dime that we had to do the outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, the inside. For three years. I mean, it was bad. Mm. It was rough. And I don't know how many people would come in. We'd have different events and people come in and they would be astonished after walking in. You, you know, three years later, the Lord allows us. I, I know we haven't even got down to the road yet, no, but I, good, I, good. there's something I believe the Lord is saying to people, as you said earlier, he's wanting you to trust him. And, and you know, um, Three years later, we are able. We, our congregation is growing. We were able to step up and, and start the work on the outside and really make it different on the outside to make it look. And I remember where I've got these guys in the church that are working, and they're helping me do it. This guy, uh, they're, they're finishing this off for it. And the building is really taking on a beautiful dynamic on the outside. And on the outside, remember, this is a long building. I think it's 100, I think it's 100 feet long. And the name of our church, our church name at that time was Tabernacle of Hope. Mm-hmm. And we were going to put that 
sign on, on the front that's going to be three dimensional. It's going to be down the sign. So I get this sign maker to come in to you know talk to me and develop this sign for me. It's going to be three dimension. He said, Pastor, I'll have it done this week. Mm. So we got our new building going. We got planners out in the front. I mean, it's really, we're ready for the sign to go up. Week passes, he doesn't show up. Next week comes, he doesn't show up. A month passes, he's not showing up. And I'm calling him, I'm saying, and every time I'd call him, he said, yeah, I'll get there next week. Every time, you, you know, there was something going on. Mm. And so now we're into months and this sign isn't done. I still have the, we had just put it on a piece of plywood. We're sticking up there, you know, to let mm-hmm. people know what we were. Yeah. And I'll, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm getting ticked at this guy. I'm angry at this guy. And I'm, I'm threatening because part of the deal was I had to give him half of the money down for mm-hmm. material and everything. And he hadn't done what he said he would do. And I, I had sent him a very kind, nice letter. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we don't get something done, we'll start seeking legal action. And I remember finally got a hold of the guy said, Pastor, I assure you I'll be there this week and get it done. Now, that week I'm going off to a conference up in Michigan. And so at the while I'm at conference, my wife is doing a ladies' meeting at the church. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the sign maker shows up. Now, keep in mind, people have seen pictures of it, but they don't know the dynamics of it, okay, how it's all going to work. So this, I'm going to Michigan for conference. My wife's doing a ladies' meeting back here. Sign maker's working out front. Mm-hmm. And he starts putting up the sign. And while the ladies come in, my wife shuts him down. She said, we don't like the way it's looking. When she called and told me that, I'm in Michigan getting ready to go into a conference. I tell you, if I ever got mad, Oh, my goodness. If there was ever a moment, it's a good thing I was away from home. Mm. I remember I was so angry with my wife and those ladies. Mm-hmm. She said, none of them, none of us like it. I, I oh, my goodness. I, it's a good <laughs> thing I was a spirit filled Holy Ghost believer. <laughs> oh, I was so angry with my wife. I do remember saying this to her. I said, you tell those stupid women, mm. keep their mouths closed. You guys have no clue what this is going to look like. It's not a one-dimensional thing. There's layers going to be put into it. Mm-hmm. I said, you stop what I have worked months to get this guy going on. I was angry. I had an elder with me up there. He knew I was angry. <laughs> that we, just goes to show you that we're not perfect either. We all have our moments. So, oh, my God. And even though it was dealing with the church, we had a moment of maybe weakness there for a minute. But we were hot because a lot of the stuff that went on, hot yeah. is an old word uh, I've heard no, no. preachers use. Yeah. But I also like about what I'm hearing, just kind of give him a break for a second, The uh, is the fact that and it's what we've heard for years. So that some of you, some of you may not. Maybe this is your first time being even experienced with God. But God loves to put us in those places to where it looks impossible that it's going to get done. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the moment, then you're got nowhere to look but up, or to God that it got done. And that gives him a chance to get all the glory, which is what he's about. It's God. He needs the glory for what he's doing. So, and Because everything I'm hearing from you, I'm hearing, wow, you've had all these impossible situations where God shows up in the 11th hour and gets it done. And that's amazing. I, I well, sometimes, sometime, Pastor Trenton, God is trying to do something that you're not seeing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, our delays aren't denials. Our hindrances sometimes isn't the enemy. Sometimes God is saying, wait a minute, I can't let you go forward. Because mm-hmm. let me let me back up something I probably should have started back there. After months were passing, I couldn't get this sign maker going. I'm saying, God, what is the problem? I'm asking the Lord, God, have, have I missed something? Is this not? I even remember praying, do you want us to change our identity? Is there something we're doing? Remember, we're Tabernacle of Hope. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I thought, what are we supposed to do? Is there something I'm missing here? You, you know, you pray those prayers and you throw them out there. You're looking at everything under the sun. Well, when, when you, you know, again, I'm in Michigan. I'm upset. I'm going to conference. Mm-hmm. I'm not preaching. Thank God I wasn't because, man, that people would have had it that night. <laughs> but I'm sitting there in that meeting and the spirit of the Lord speaks to me. And he said, I told you to change your identity. Mm. See, I didn't. I remember asking him about it, but evidently I didn't pay a lot of attention back here. Yeah. And I said, Lord, what are we supposed to do? He said, you're going to change your identity. 
Mm-hmm. He said, I'm taking you to a higher dimension. Mm-hmm. And he said, people can always hope. Yeah. He said, but they'll, people can always hope and never reach their destination. Yeah. But he said, I'm going to take you. He said, this is what he spoke to me so clearly. He said, from the rags of this world to the riches of my glory, am I going to bring this people? Mm. I, I mean, it was like something shifted in me right there. I almost had to get up and leave the meeting, get home and apologize to my wife for being so angry. Mm-hmm. But you see, she was a part of the process to stop what wasn't supposed to go up. Yeah. Because God was changing us, and I didn't realize it. You had asked for it, but you never heard him actually say it. Hey, yeah, and I remember telling my elder, I put my arm around him as we were walking out. I said, Brother, his name happened to be Brother Gillespie. I said, Brother Gillespie, forgive me for being so angry and acting so foolishly. But I said, God just spoke to me. And I said, we're going to change the identity of our of the church. Yeah. And I said, we're going to change it to higher dimensions. And And you remember I said it took us three years. Mm-hmm. To get to the outside, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, I always start transformation on the inside, and I work my way out. Oh, amen. That's true. And dude. that's why it mm-hmm. couldn't demonstrate itself on the outside, because God was working on the inside. Mm-hmm. And there's a principle there, Trent. So many times we're wanting people to transform immediately. Mm-hmm. And God said, i got to continue to work on their heart. i got to continue to deal with their thinking. I got And it was a demonstration of what he was literally doing. Not, remember where I said we were? Mm-hmm. Behind, behind us was one of the most notorious housing projects in the area. Mm-hmm. My church began to be a mixed congregation. Mm. All of a sudden, everything began to change when we went from Tabernacle of Hope to higher dimensions. Mm-hmm. I came back, we put it on our church, and now I'm telling you, we are off to the races. Everything began to transform. That Now when I walk back into that area, after all of these years, the church being there, of course, we left, came to Cape Girardeau, mm-hmm. you wouldn't even know the area. And I truly believe, Trent. I truly believe this all my heart is because God had set his church there and the presence of the Lord was transforming even the neighborhood. Everything around it Amen. is totally different because we were there. I truly believe that with all Amen. my heart. I believe it, yeah. And we went into that process. We came back. And I'm telling you, moving forward, God just began to shift things. Dynamics began to change. The church began to go into a whole new level. Even to the point ninety six, that was that was actually eighty nine ninety right in there, mm-hmm. and for the next number of years we just saw God do some um, amazing things. Ninety six revival hit our church, what we would call revival, and it was totally different. We were in church almost every night for at least six months. Mm-hmm. Power of God was so present. Yeah. I mean, I can't explain it. I cannot mm-hmm. explain it. What God was doing in that period of time, and then. And at the end of 96, we're still just trusting the Lord. We're walking this thing out. People are being healed. Miracles are taking place. And it was astonishing. The Holy Ghost was moving in our church. Yeah. And 97 came. The calendar changed. And you would have thought the light switch went off. And you thought, God, what happened to us? Did we do something wrong? But no, here's something we need to pay attention to. Mm. We think that just because he moved like this this year, Mm -hmm. that's what God's going to do the same next year. Mm. And it was totally different. Matter of fact, I saw more harvest in the first six months of 97 than I did all of 96 when I was in church every night. Yeah, And it was totally, totally different. You would have thought we would have died in one sense, okay? Mm-hmm. But God was bringing people to him. The dynamics had changed. And then in that process of 90, middle of 97, I'm getting ready. Our church is growing. I, we're outgrowing where we are. I'm looking for property to go into a building project. Um, we, we're... Financially, the church is doing better than it's ever done. We're doing better financially. Me and my family, you know, our family's growing and doing better than we've ever done. And all of a sudden, I feel that God is saying, it's time to let it go. No, no. You're like, wait a minute, God. And he's putting, I I felt like, okay, I'm going to travel for a while. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. And uh, I began to set up meetings, you, you know, where I could go and travel. I just began to feel this release. Matter of fact, I had a young, a, a young prophet friend of mine call me up and 
And because I was sitting in my office, thought, okay, God, something's changing. I'm trying to write vision. And did you ever see people, you know, you write something down, you'd get a sentence out, and then you'd just tear the piece of paper up and throw it in the floor. I had paper all over the place because I could not get a vision wrote down mm-hmm. of what I felt for the church. Yeah. And I had a young prophet call me, and he said, Pastor, you're, you're butting your head. It's, he said, I see you like you're butting your head against the wall, and you're not the one to get through it. Mm. And he said, it's time to put the axe to the root. Wow. And I realized right then, Trenton, that God is getting ready to shift me into something different. Yeah. And uh, change me and change my family. And that's when we begin to make our way 24 years ago, mm-hmm. about this time of year. Matter of fact, I was in a process of helping, not realizing I was going to be here 24 years later. Yeah. Yeah, so the prophet made that spoke, and then you mentioned something at the revival. For those of you that don't know, he was at Cross Connection when we did Cross Connection Tent Revival here yeah. a few weeks ago, and uh, he talked a little bit about some of it. But um, you, you're sitting there, you heard this prophet at that at that point. What was your goal moment? Your get up and go moment? What or did it slowly happen? Because I know I remember you saying something about. He had brought you to help a church up here in yeah, Cape, yeah. and you're like, somebody would have to be, was it half dead, oh, half, half brain dead? Half, no, they'd have to have a half a brain to oh. want to pastor this place. Because <laughs> over the years, the church I'm at now was a great church, has always been a great church through the region. I call it a regional church, mm-hmm. and was a pretty good-sized congregation for churches like ours, and especially in that day, a church four or 500 people was a very large church. Mm-hmm. And they, that's what was happening. And I loved the pastor and his wife uh, that were here. We had connected with them and we would drive over for special meetings and periodically he would call me to come and preach and uh, so in this process I felt like it's time for me to leave I'm starting to think about and matter of fact just a few years before that me and my wife had just bought a home and you know and uh, so I'm thinking man I'm going to get to go travel somewhere on the weekend come home be with the family you know do whatever we do through the week and go preach again on the weekend Mm -hmm. that's what i was looking for yeah and we had started setting in motion the process of of setting a new pastor in where i was for almost 15 years with higher dimensions well wait so wait you're saying 15 years from when like 89 90 you've been training someone up or you're talking like the 97 mark well, you said from the, from that, from no, from back there when I started, when I start from the moment I started pastoring, you know, I said it was turned over to me. Mm-hmm. We were there for about almost fifteen years. Mm-hmm. I had a young man that I thought was going to be my successor there. Okay, mm-hmm. that was working with me, mm-hmm. and we were getting ready to release it to him. Yeah, and matter of fact, that's who we thought, and the Spirit of the Lord said, mm, "That's not the one." At mm-hmm. the whole time, we thought it was. Mm-hmm. So when I felt this time that I was going to resign, and uh, I went to him, I said, hey, Chris, um, I said, you know, I'm getting ready to leave, but we've been talking that you'd be the one. And he said, the Lord said, no. He said, I know it. So that put me in a job now that I had to, what are we going to do, Lord? We had to look, find a pastor to come in and take this church. In the meantime, I'm trying to, you know, do my traveling thing. And then I get this call from this church over here. Or this pastor shows up, and he said, hey, I want you in my church Sunday, and I want you to take it. I said, dude, I don't want to do that, mm-hmm. you, you know. And I proceeded to find out what was going on, and I said, no, let me just help you get straightened out what's going on over here, because there were some issues. Mm-hmm. And I came over and met with, with the pastor and the leadership, and, man, they didn't want anything to change. They wanted pastor to be there, and, and uh, you, you know, the thing was they— uh, uh, said, Pastor, whatever time you need, take some time, get rested, but don't leave us. Stay with us. And I was all for that, you, you know. And and so, Pastor, he was a senior man to me a, a number of years. Uh, you know, he said, well, I'm going to have Pastor Zach help me, you know, kind of oversee some things until, you, you know, get back. Well, to make a very long story short, because there's a lot of intricate details, it didn't work out. And that pastor didn't stay. And so they asked me if I would just help them. I said, guys, I'm not interested in pastoring you, uh, but I will help you until we get somebody. But through all that, through, through that church difficulty, church had scattered. Mm-hmm. And it went from that four or five hundred 
group of people, it went down to 50, maybe 75 at the most Mm -hmm. that we were left with. And there was a lot of stuff involved. And matter of fact, some of them kept, but we believe you're supposed to be our pastor. I'm thinking, well, I don't feel this yet. You know, I'm just interested in trying to get things worked out. There was a lot of things. There was a TV station involved. There was so many things involved. As a matter of fact, I just told him, I said, God, right now, to get you a pastor, it'll take a man with a half a brain. Yeah. I got a question real quick yeah. before you uh, continue. So during this whole time, are you still at Higher Dimensions and you're coming up here? Like, is it For on a, Sundays you're helping them? Or well, are you doing what that? happened was I would come begin to come help just talking to them basically through the week. And I told them, I said, guys, you all know that I resigned in higher dimensions. And I told that church, I said, I will not leave you until a man is set in place. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, I said, it'll probably take, because of, you know, transition was different. We thought Mm -hmm. it would probably take us three to six months to find somebody because I had to start putting feelers out. I started, so you went ahead and resigned, but you I went ahead and resigned, but I stayed and preached. And what I did at that time, I said, I will be here every service. And what I did for that period of time, it took three months. I was preparing them for the next guy in, mm-hmm. setting them up because dynamics had just changed. And so I was preparing them to receive the next guy to follow, you know, with vision that was coming. And so then when that happened... And he got set in. It would be the last, my last Sunday would have been the last Sunday of November of 1997. That was my last Sunday. And these things were escalating a little bit over here, kind of getting worse, to be honest. And I told him, I said, if you guys will give me, because my board back home, I because let me, I, you know, since I said I was going to travel, mm-hmm. I established a ministry of my own called Zach Strong Ministries, which I still have. Mm-hmm. And I have a board. And my board suggested, Pastor, why don't you, it's the holiday season, before you get, you know, going real strong, why don't you take a month off? And actually, uh, the church in my leaving, because I left right, I didn't leave angry. Nobody was mad at me. Nobody was forcing me out the door. I just felt the call of God. The board of my church said, we want to bless you and give you and Miss Diane a a lump sum of money to help you until you can decide exactly what you feel like God is doing. Because they see me coming here and they see me wanting to travel. Okay. So you said the last... Sunday, November, right? That was when you quit preaching. Everything that would was be done, that would be my resigned? last Sunday. We set the pastor in, okay, and I'm out. All right, and I to told them here in Cape Girardeau, I said, if you will give me, see, I was supposed to be taking time off, but I didn't. I said, if you will let me get this pastor set in, I will be there the next Wednesday night, which is the first Wednesday night of December. I came. And I started preaching here as pastor. I didn't call myself pastor, but I came in. Mm-hmm. You were filling in. I'm filling in, in, and I never, I never stopped. Yeah. And for the next year, I drove back and forth from Paducah to Cape Girardeau for a whole year. Wow! I didn't bring my, didn't bring my family. Uh, they only came with me on Sundays uh, because I just wasn't bringing them. My kids were in Christian school, 25 miles east of Paducah. We had one car. So I would take them to school. I would drive to Cape, do what I needed to do, back there to get them, and then back home. And I did long days. And I did that almost for a year. So here's how I settled Paducah. Mm -hmm. I mean, settled Cape Girardeau. A year's passed, driving back and forth. And all we're doing is a lot of things have changed. We just come in and loved on the people and helped get them healed up. My wife says to me one day, what are you going to do? Mm. Again, I guess I'm hard-headed with God. <laughs> she said, what are you going to do? She said, are you going to pastor this people? Or are you going to get them a pastor? She said, because what you're doing is not fair to them, and it's not fair to us. Mm. She's getting tired. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the unknown. Getting tired of... And I realized something, Trenton. The doors that I had open to travel, it closed. After I left there and started here, those doors, I, they canceled out on me. Mm. And God spoke to me one night coming over. On the drive from Paducah to Cape Girardeau, he said, this is your travel. And I thought, God, that's not what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember saying to God after my wife spoke that to me, I said, Lord, I, I even let me let me also say this. I had other pastors tell me I need to let this thing go. Because they said, listen, you're going to wind up getting hurt by it. But I couldn't let it go. I knew I had to be here. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know at the time I was going to be pastor. Mm-hmm. I remember my, when my wife said that, I said, God, you open this door. And there's nothing else open. And I'm willing to stay here. If you want me here, I'll stay here the rest of my life, and I'll give you everything I've got. Let me ask you a question on that, too, because you're, I mean, we're running, getting close to the time. Okay. But the, uh, because I do want you to finish. The uh, you mentioned something. Your wife's statement yeah, got me there. Yeah. So at this time, you say you were there a year. Yeah. And you were doing the same thing. Were you guys actually actively seeking, or did she notice that we're not actually looking? You're just kind of doing it. So are you going to do it, or are you going to get someone? Was that the reason she asked? Well, I or? think that's probably it. Uh, so you, we you didn't know. actually have people that we even had in mind after. A year. Right. No. Gotcha. Well, I. You know, I, I mean, there was nothing going on. That, that That's a great statement because really, honestly, there was nobody looking at it to take it but mm-hmm. me. And uh, I think it took my wife to open, your eyes to open my eyes to yeah. what I was doing. And I was fulfilling it and didn't realize it because there was a number of things that we were dealing with. Yeah. And the people had been so hurt by the you know, by what had gone on, not by us, by what had gone on. Yeah. And we were trying to heal people up and trying to figure this thing out. And when she said that to me, like I said, something settled my heart. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, God, I can be here the rest of my life if that's what you do. But if you speak to me tomorrow, I'll be glad to let it go. Mm-hmm. And Trenton, I know that I know that I know, that I know, that I know that God has put me in Cape Girardeau. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. It, I don't believe he brought me to Cape Girardeau just for the church I'm at. Yeah. He positioned me for the region that I'm in. And what was the name of the church here in Cape before? When I came in, it was New Life World Outreach. And was it on the same lot that you're on now? or was Same it place. Okay. Same place. So the building was there? The building was there. Everything was Matter there. of fact, prophetically, about mm-hmm. a year before... Remember I said I'd come over for different meetings? Mm-hmm. The same prophet that prophesied my building back in Paducah, same one, was here preaching for this pastor in Cape. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting about three-quarters of the way back in the building. And she calls me out. She says these words, God's getting ready to release $1.3 million to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking a cash flow, not realizing what God had in yeah. plan. Well, remember, in this church when I came, they called me. I wasn't voted in. This pastor came and literally just handed me keys and said, this is your church. Mm-hmm. I was never voted into this church. It was given to me. When we started going through to try to figure everything out, because literally that's what happened. They exited. I came in, and we had to figure everything out. Yeah. When we found the papers— of the title and everything about the bank statements and all about the building, the property was valued $1.3 million. Wow. Yeah. So she's, she's very specific. I mean, it was set in motion. And you know what? We took a year. Let me just I know our time is here. I realized I came in with a lot of vision after that. I said, we're going to knock these walls out. We're going to reach this university. We're going to bring kids in until one of my older families come to me. And she said, you don't want us, do you? I said, what? What do you mean I don't want you? She said, you say it all the time. I said, you better go get the cassette and let me listen to it. That's the days of cassette. You don't even know what no, they are. Like <laughs> like, I'm not that young as that guy. 81 I was born, yeah. so I had cassettes. She said, no, Pastor, you're missing it. Mm-hmm. But I realized something. They weren't ready for a fresh vision yet. They still needed to be healed. And I had to shift in neutral. I was talking so much about young people they were feeling rejected because that's really what happened to them. Their pastor kind of walked away from them. Yeah. And they felt rejected, and they were feeling it again. Mm-hmm. So I shifted in neutral for two years and was coming down to a point that this church had this big globe on top where a lot of church has steeples. Mm-hmm. This church had a big globe on top. Mm-hmm. Remember, our name was New Life World Outreach, but it was on the building. There never was a sign out on the road or anything. It was just on the building. And over these next two years, I had people come to me. What is that building? 
you know, you know, oh, it's a church. Oh, we didn't know that. We just saw it look like a disco ball on top. <laughs> and that's how we were identified. Mm. We're the church with the disco ball on top. I thought, well, that's not a good, you know. <laughs> but here, here, I'll end with this because I know our time is over. Trenton, one day I get a call, and it's the police department said, hey, I want you to know your globe is broken off and it's rolling down the road. Really? It literally broke off the top of the building. And I mean, wow. it was a beautiful globe designed by God that designed. I, I was understood by God that designed stuff for Disney. I mean, there was a lot of money in this globe mm-hmm. and it was on a pole and it rotated and lights would shine on it. It was a globe with the girl and made it look like the world, new mm-hmm. life, world outreach. Mm-hmm. And when it broke off, they brought it up and just set it in the lawn, you know. And I thought, God, what are we going to do? You know, our globe is broke off. So I'm checking insurance to cut me to what, how we're going to deal with this. But you know what was funny is I don't know how many people came and said, I think God is telling us something because there was no reason it should have fallen off. Mm-hmm. Even some of my young people said, Pastor, I think God is going to change us. Mm-hmm. And so in the process of trying to get the sign up again, we're going to go. We had one of the first electronic signs in the city back then where, you know, the mm-hmm. lights and all this. The first one we're getting, mm-hmm. 20-something thousand dollars we're getting ready to put up. But I couldn't get the insurance company to release the money to me. Mm-hmm. I had the sign design, New Life World Outreach. I had it up on the walls of the church where everybody could see it. I mean, God, not again. What are we doing? <laughs> Same scenario. Huh? Same scenario. Uh-huh. And I'm asking God, I can't get the money released. And I'm praying, God, do you want us to change our identity? Because remember, people have come and said, I feel like God is changing us. I had gone down to do something in town, and I get a call from the office. said, Pastor, you got a couple ministry friends here that want to meet with you. And one of them was a prophet from... Uh, from Seattle, Washington, mm-hmm. and first time he'd been in the area. And when we got to the office, they're waiting on the inside. We greet each other. And the first thing he says to me is this. He said, when are you going to change the identity of this church? Mm. Don't you know that you can't build on another man's vision? Mm. And I realized right then yep. that's what God was saying. So that's yeah. when we changed our identity again to Christ Church of the Heartland. It started, we opened it up. Christ Church of the Heartland on first Sunday of 2000, of this big millennium, millennium thing, if you remember way back mm-hmm. there, uh, we started. And I want to tell you, from there, it was totally different. God kicked this thing off, and we've been off to the races. There's a cross on your church now, isn't there? Or maybe I'm thinking uh, something else. Didn't you, re- no, you never replace the No, no, we never replaced the globe. We did put the new sign out front, yeah. out there, you know, electronic sign, which grow. Mm-hmm. I remember that first year, it's wintertime. Remember when it goes up, and there's a there's a call for the weather forecast. It's snow. So I put scrolling across the bottom. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Uh-huh. And it made the headlines of the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sure there's a ton more. Maybe I'll have Zach back to talk about Oh, I'd love story, to do it. But, uh, This is what I love about Unified. We get the chance to hear other people's stories, what they've been through. And you guys have just heard a show filled with miracles. I mean, just on what what God has done for him in Paducah. And then as he moved to Cape, we didn't get to talk as much about Cape. Maybe we'll do that on another show. But uh, I appreciate you coming by, Zach. Is there any last words you want to give to the people? You know, I want to encourage you in the Lord. I think sometime in transition, we make it difficult. Sometimes it's our immaturity sometimes it's all the circumstances around us that that you know make it difficult to hear what god is doing but know that god always has a well planned i heard a statement i'll shut up with this uh, that the path of god is not always well lit but no it's always well planned and when you set out to follow god you may you may think i know everything today but you only see in part yeah and so be flexible Just allow God to lead you, and you'll be surprised where God will take you. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you out there, I thank you guys for tuning in. We're so glad you were able to join us on the show today. I hope you've been blessed. I've been blessed. I was just listening. I was enjoying listening to him talk about his story. Any of you guys want more information, make sure you hit up nextlevelfreedomchurch.com or .org either way. And check out our website. Subscribe. Go ahead and subscribe while you're here on the podcast or subscribe to Let's Talk with Trent and Brett. We do it in separate podcasts as well. But God bless each and every one of you. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time.